Thank you for joining us for this podcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our podcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Well, once again, good morning. I know that's been said several times today, but we want you to know that we are glad that you are with us. I'm looking through uh, the different people that are watching on Facebook this morning, and I see a lot of familiar faces from both Ninth Avenue and from other places uh, around, and I thank you so much for, for joining with us. I want to encourage you to get your Bibles back out. If you have them and turn back to Ephesians chapter 4, back to Ephesians chapter 4. I appreciate very much one of the phrases that Gary used in his prayer. He said that the devil cannot defeat us even in death. The devil cannot defeat us even in death. And if you really dig in as we have been and you really pay attention to the message of the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians is telling us that we are... We are grounded in Christ. Our identity is in Christ. And because of that, no matter what Satan brings at us, no matter what Satan brings to us and challenges us with, we can overcome. As a matter of fact, in, uh, if you look forward into chapter 6, if you look forward into chapter 6 and verse 12, he's addressing the idea of how do we deal with Satan when he comes after us. And in chapter 6 and verse 12, he says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. He reminds us of that. And then what he tells us as he goes through, and we're going to get to this section later on, and I hope that we're together when we get to go through this section, is he says, "Your, your response to these things is to stand firm. And in these difficult moments, in these times of challenges, this period where we, we feel defeated in some ways because some of our normal routines have been so disrupted, he says, stand firm. Remember that it's going to be okay. I ran across a passage in the book of Romans the other day that, man, it stuck with me the last few days. And, and he says... Let's see if I can remember this correctly. He says, Paul basically says, stand firm in your hope in times of trouble, pray. Okay? In times of trouble, pray. Or rather, I'm sorry, he says, be patient. And then in everything, pray. So stand firm in your hope in times of tribulation, which is now, be patient. And that's hard for us to do. And in everything, pray. And so I hope that you can find encouragement in that this morning. And the fact that, as, as Gary said, we cannot be defeated. We can overcome everything because of Christ. And that is the message of not just the book of Ephesians, but that is the message of the Bible as well. So let's dig into our text this morning. As we dig into our text this morning, I want us to start in chapter 4, verse 17. And, and Paul has really... What Paul has done through this particular study so far and this particular writing so far is everything's kind of been a contrast. You were this and now you need to do this. And it all centers around the idea of maturing and growing. Okay, it centers around the idea of maturing as a Christian. Okay, I'm a child of God. I've been baptized. I've been saved. Now what do I need to do? And he's given us this this spiritual guidebook of how to mature and grow in our faith. And over the last 
over the last few weeks, everything has been kind of, uh, I'm going to say spiritually hypothetical to some degree, okay? Uh, not really hypothetical, but, but spiritual. It's a big picture. And now today, he's going to zoom in, and he's going to become a little more personal, okay? A little more personal. So Ephesians chapter 4, the first thing he's going to tell us in this particular text today is no longer live as the Gentiles do. No longer live as the Gentiles do. Now, that doesn't... The way that he says that doesn't maybe make a whole lot of sense to us today. So what if we, what if we word it like this? No longer live as the world lives. No longer live as the world lives. Let's look back at our text and read verses 17 through 19 together. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do or as we said as the world in their futility, in their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. Boy, those are some challenging words there, aren't they? Those are some challenging thoughts. So he begins, and he's like, I want to get your attention here. He goes, I'm telling you, look at verse 17, I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord. It's like, I'm, I look at this, what he's saying here, as when you get in trouble, or when you got in trouble growing up, or as a parent, when you're getting on to your kid and you use the full name, you know, and like when my parents would go, Matthew Lee Ballantyne, I knew right then and there. I needed to turn around and pay attention to what was being said because I was in trouble. And if I didn't pay attention, I was going to be even in more trouble after they got through saying what I wasn't listening to. And I kind of look at this as he's saying this, right? He's like, he's really trying to get our attention here. He's really trying to grab us. And, and he begins to lay out a series of incredible spiritual truths here. Now, they're on the negative side at the moment about being separated from God. But he says, look, you need to understand in your life that there are some things that you need to let go of. You need to quit living a certain way. And he lays them out and he says, if you live this way, you're going to be separated from God. You're going to be separated from God. Now, we live in a world, we live in a culture that likes inclusive Christianity, that likes the idea that as long as you're a good person, you're going to be okay. God's not going to judge you. He's going to love you and accept you. But Paul, through this whole book, tells us that there is a place in our life where we are with Christ, but there's also a place in our life where we're separated from Christ. And we need to make sure, we need to make sure that we live with Him instead of without Him. Because without Him, there is no hope for us. I don't want any of you to be in that situation. And I hope this study helps you get to a place to where you are with Christ and on Christ's side and you have the benefits of being a co-heir with Christ. So look at what he says here. He describes this, this living as the world or as the Gentiles in some pretty specific ways. The first thing he says, he says, they have lost all sensitivity they have lost all sensitivity. And th this was a common expression for Paul uh, and the world that he lived in. It was a vivid image uh, of losing all guilt and shame or, or embarrassment. The phrase literally, the phrase literally referred to the idea of someone's skin becoming so callous or so tough that they could no longer feel anything anymore. 
It's the idea of in our own life, we just throw off all the restraints and we are unawed. Listen to that idea. We are unawed by shame. Shame doesn't bother us anymore. That's a scary place to be. But then he says there's a second step to that. It says that they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. Now, the language here suggests a, a sexual connotation to a degree as he talks about sensuality, but that also leads to every kind of impurity. It's the idea of just indulging in whatever you want to, no matter what it is. But then, <coughs> then there's the number three. And some of your Bibles are going to read a little bit different for the next kind of idea. But one of my favorite ways that it's translated is have a continual lust for more. As if it's not bad enough to lose all your sensitivity. As if it's not bad enough to give over to sensuality and indulge in every kind of impurity. He said that the, the final step in that is where you have a continual, unrestrained desire for more and more and more. It's a path that sin leads you down. It, it creates a continual lust for something bigger, something greater, uh, a larger high, something that, uh, that, that just thrills you even more. And I was struck, as I, as I studied this section, I was struck by how these descriptions, they really just don't describe the world Paul lived in. They describe our world as well. The idea of a loss of sensitivity is, is a rally cry for what you could call the self-help movement. Our society teaches us to throw off the restraints and just pursue whatever it is that makes you happy. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't be fearful of it. Just whatever makes you happy. Makes you happy. Maybe in modern terminology, it can be said like this. Live your best life. Live your best life. No matter what that means for you. You just live your best life. That's not what the Word of God teaches. Not at all. We have to be careful with phrases like that. Because those type of lifestyles will help us lose our sensitivity if we're not careful. The second idea of indulging every kind of impurity is very powerful in our, in our culture. I think about our entertainment industry and how it is centered around the idea to just offer the next big thing that gets your attention. The next thing that's going to surprise you. The next thing that's going to wow you. And even if that means doing it in an impure way. What we need to understand about these things is that living this type of life does not make, it, make us free. It makes us slaves. It brings misery in our life. You see, if you are living your life trying to find the next thing, the next thrill, the next high, the next experience that's going to make you happy, you're just going to be chasing your tail. You're going to be running in circles. You'll never get that fulfillment that you're seeking. It's different in a relationship with God. It's different in a walk with Christ because that is the fulfillment. The emptiness that you may be feeling in your life is probably coming because you're not allowing God to fill that up inside of you 
with his spirit. And that's what the next few verses are about. Start in verse 20. He goes, you, however, okay, here's the transition. You, however, if you're a child of God, if you're a Christian, if you've been baptized and have been saved, he's talking to you. He says, it is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I love this, this part of the passage because I can, I can identify with it. I can identify with it in a, in a personal way. You see, it's this idea of maturing, this idea of growing. But he's painting a picture here of changing clothes. He's painting a picture here of, of, of a guy that walks in from a hard day's work who's nasty and filthy. He's been working in the yard. He's been working on his car. He's been out playing some type of sport. He's worked hard in his job, and he comes home, and he, he, he's, he's just dirty, okay? And he, and he needs, he needs to, to clean up. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I don't mind getting dirty. I don't like staying dirty any longer than I have to. My great-grandmother always said I was the cleanest little boy she had ever met because after we're through playing, it's time for Matthew to clean up. I don't mind being dirty, but I'm not going to stay dirty any longer than I have to. And that's the picture here, is that once you come into Christ, you no longer need to be dirty. You don't need to be wearing the same sinful clothes that you had on prior to that moment of salvation. You need to take those things off and put on your new wardrobe. Now, at the end of this book, he's going to explain to us what that new wardrobe is. We like to think about my mansion robe and crown. And the robe and crown in particular, that's not what he says that our wardrobe is. He's going to tell us later on at the end of this book that our wardrobe is a, is a suit of armor. And we're going to get there, but we've got to take off the old and put on the new. And, that, and that's what he's going to describe. He says, put off your old self. That's the first idea. Put off your old self. And this is an idea that Paul carries through a lot of his writings. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone. I love that. The old is gone. It's disappeared. It's no longer there. The new is here. It makes it clear that alongside God's work of renewal, though, there is a role for us to play. We have a part in the battle. We have a part... In, 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 in the relationship, we have a responsibility to work alongside um, God in helping get rid of our old desires and our old habits to fight them and to resist them. This phrase depicts the old self as being corrupt by its deceitful desires. And he says, you put those off. Now, that's a great preacher thing to say, but how do we put those things off? That could be a whole lesson in and of itself, and I'm going to hit it very quickly for you. The first thing is this. We need to recognize and admit where our temptations are. One of the most effective tools for addicts has been a 12-step recovery 
process or program. Programs like Alcoholics Anonymous or, or any of the other types of, of programs like that have been so successful. But the key to their success has always been you have to admit and recognize your temptation. And you have to call it for what it is. You have to stop rationalizing your sin as a child of God. And you have to stop making excuses for it. Stop thinking that it's okay to indulge in this maybe just once here and there because all the good things that I'm doing is going to outweigh the bad, right? No, we have to recognize and admit where our temptations are. And then we have to determine to stop doing it. We have to determine to stop doing that thing. And when I say determine, I don't, merely think, I don't mean to merely just think that, hey, this will be a good idea for me to stop. You actually have to make up your mind to change. Then you need to recognize that it is only through Christ that we have the true power to overcome. You see, that's where I think so many of us mess up in our life. That we talk about how we're going to change, then we get there to that moment of change, and we're there without God. We're there by ourselves. We're never going to overcome sin by ourselves. But with God, we can. And then finally, this is a critical one, and one that I think we leave out. But I think it's so important. Find someone else to hold you accountable. Confess your sins to them and ask them to help you with that particular struggle. James talks about that. I believe we've all been reminded here lately the importance of relationships and community. And that's not just important in good times. It's important in struggles as well. It's important that we have someone in our church family, someone in our faith circle that, that, that we confide into, that we talk to. You know, we talk about discipleship, or I, I, I've been talking about discipleship since day one of our ministry together. And this is where discipleship comes into play. If you remember, we talked about the idea of ABC discipleship. You've got someone above you, someone beside you. That person beside you in the same place in life as you is that accountability partner. That you disciple each other and that you grow in those moments together. So you can't overcome sin alone. First and foremost, you need God. And then secondly, you need a family member. You need a Christian family member that's going to hold you accountable and keep you moving in the right direction. So make sure that's a part of your walk. But now the second thing Paul talks about here in this idea of, of becoming new, he says that we need to be made new in the attitude of our minds. Be new in the attitude of our minds. So once the old nature is put off, okay, we've taken off the old nature, Paul next commands that we be made with this new attitude. And that's a fascinating idea to me because it addresses the main part of what we need to change. And that's how we think. That's how we think. You know, our tendency a lot of times is to separate our heart and our mind. And, and, and he doesn't do that here. He says putting off the old is a matter of the heart. And allowing God to get a handle on our desires and get, uh, help us control our sinful habits, the God-controlled thing, that's an issue of the mind. And they fit perfectly together. You see, we have the ability to deceive ourselves. Man, we have an ability to deceive ourselves. We have an ability to rationalize in ourselves that our sin's not that bad. We have the ability to tell ourselves, I'm not hurting anybody else, so what does it really matter? Paul says, you've got to retrain your thinking and think in a Holy Spirit concept, 
not a worldly concept. But once again, how do you do that? Have you ever heard the phrase garbage in, garbage out? I'm sure you have. It's not a big powerful proverb or anything, but it's a true statement. You put garbage into something, you're going to take garbage out of something. And our minds are the same way. When we fill our minds with worldly things, worldly things come out. So what if we made it a point? And a lot of us have a lot of free time on our hands right now that we don't normally have. What if during this time you made sure to start studying your Bible every day? Just reading your Bible. I had a friend in college that uh, he, he made it a point to just read three chapters of the Bible every day. He started in the front and read all the way to the back and then started over. And that wasn't all the studying he did, but that was where it started for him. He said that he just learned to read three chapters a day. Three chapters a day for the most part until you get into you know, the 100th Psalm or around in there somewhere. Three chapters a day is maybe 10 minutes. Maybe not even that. What if you started there? Maybe reading's not your thing. I know that some people, especially some ladies, they really enjoy Bible journaling. What if that was something that would help you grow in your faith? To put something positive in. Maybe it's, you know, listening to Christian music. Maybe that helps you out. Maybe it's in this time that we really seek God in prayer. You know, one of the things that I think is so important is that we make sure to be together. That we fill our lives with fellowship. And I know that's a challenge right now. But I also know so many of you have missed it. And it is my hope and it is my prayer that when you come back and when we start being back together, that our new normal will be exciting fellowship. Not just a few of us showing up, but that when we get to the point that we can truly fellowship together, that you will be excited and on fire about it. And that will be a new normal for us. Let's eliminate the garbage. And fill ourselves with spiritual holy things. Now the last thing that he tells us, he says, put on the new self. The clothing analogy kind of comes full circle here. We've discarded the old, we've renewed our mind, and now he says, put on the new self, which is created, in verse 24, to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Galatians 3 verse 27 echoes this idea. For all of those who were baptized in Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. That is why Paul can write that through Christ, through God, we live in righteousness and holiness. Because it is Christ living in us. It is the Holy Spirit living in us, recreating us in God's image. Now here again, we find some responsibility placed on us. That the new self is something we are commanded to put on. It's not just done by God. There is a cooperation that takes place that you have to be involved in. You have to be doing your part. You can't just sit in your pew or on your couch or in your recliner or laying in your bed wherever you might be today and just expect God to poof, magically make you this great Christian. No, you have to put in the time, the effort, the study, the prayer, the relationships. You have to participate with the Spirit of God, or otherwise you're just going to put out the Spirit's fire. And so the contrast between what Paul calls the Gentiles and Christ, or as we call the world in Christ, is complete. Now the next section, which we're going to hit next week, begins to get specific about the things we need to put off. But as we close, and 
This may be an interesting question this morning because I still find it kind of humorous that some of you are, are sitting there in your pajamas going to church this morning. So maybe I ask you this question and you find a little humor in it, but I also want you to find the seriousness. What are you wearing? What are you wearing this morning? Are you wearing your old self, which is being corrupted by evil desires? Or are you wearing a new self, which is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness? If you're still stuck in that old life with God, with Paul, with Christ and the Holy Spirit, I call you to repentance today, to put off the old and allow the work of the Holy Spirit to begin in your life. Let's close our study with a word of prayer. God, I thank you so much for the chance to be in your presence this morning, to be gathered together as one in spirit. And I know that there are those watching and listening today, God, that find themselves in this place of, of oldness, who haven't put off the old. Maybe they've become a child of God, but they're still hanging on, God, to those things that are most comfortable to them. And even in this time of isolation, it's so easy to maybe fall back into those habits because we don't have that accountability. And so I pray, God, for those that are living the old life. May they take those things off, be renewed in you, and put the new on. Be with us, God, as we feel separated and disconnected. I pray that you bring us back together in whatever way it's going to be soon. May we do so and come back together in a way that is encouraging and edifying to each other. May we find strength in our community, God. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for his sacrifice. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. I do just want to remind you today that we're always here. Our phones are always on. Our doors are always open. If you need spiritual assistance, if you find yourself during this difficult time regressing in your faith, putting those old things back on, struggling with old addictions, struggling with, with old desires, reach out to us. Know that even though we're not together, you're still loved, you're still cared about, and we want what's best for you in your walk with God. Call us here at the office. Call our cell phones. Reach out to one of our elders. Let us be there for you spiritually today. We're going to have a, a song and then Tyler will come and dismiss us. And I just thank you for being with us today. May God bless you. There is a If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on Apple Podcast or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. Our Sunday worship services are at 10.30 a.m. and 6 o'clock p.m. with Bible classes on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for our community.